1: This is Danny and Dusty.
2: Meringutang is gonna be a thing. You're not coining anything new.
3: With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the Fan Man Hera.
2: All those and monkey sounds in there and called good.
3: The old Danny Meringue Pie. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080.
2: Yeah, this is gonna be awesome.
3: The fan. Good afternoon, happy Monday!
2: <laughs> How are you doing? Mr. Meringue, sir. Listen, man, uh, things are going pretty well. Good. Not going to lie.
3: Good. Not going nice to lie. Nice little weekend. Everybody have a good
2: weekend? Not going to lie. Good little weekend. How about you, Mr. Rust? Jeff Rust in the building. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Present.
3: Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that. What a ringing endorsement that is to Jeff Rust's presence here on 1080 The Fan. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No. You, so you didn't have a good weekend, did you?
1: That was all right. Yeah, you know. Got home from uh, doing pregame, and we went and hit uh, some Mexican food, came back and watched the rest of the Ducks game on delay. Uh-oh. Yeah.
2: No.
3: Yeah. No. You probably should have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You should probably stop that yeah. one. All right. Uh, so you're going to be sad and kind of bring bringing us down early in this one. Yeah. Uh, Danny, how was your weekend? Was,
2: it was good, man. I went and watched uh, Wakanda forever. Ooh. Good. Ooh. Let's get the uh, Danny and Dusty D ratings. Yeah. No, I'm going to go full triple D triple d's which very, means that's
3: a very good movie very, very
2: good flick if very you
3: don't know our rating system for movies uh if you just get a single d that is bad and double d's are meh. and then the triple d rating that no. is a good good well, flick from so my experience d's. double
1: d's are a little bit more than meh.
3: well
2: you don't know our rating yeah. system there you
1: go. <laughs> uh yeah you're no a little spoiled buddy good flick
2: good flick good flick wakanda forever uh if you are into the Marvel universe at all, you are going to love it. If okay. you are not, and you just like you like Chad McBoseman, it's gonna it's heavy. Oh. Ryan Coogler, the director, it like they come right out and just like, oh, you you want to feel some stuff? Here you go. Let me go ahead and rip your insides out. We the first feelings. ten minutes.
3: Oh no! No, it's great. It's great. Oh wow! Yeah.
2: No, they did. The okay. Coogler doesn't like probably the best job of world building. Like, are people crying? Like, oh yeah, they're be crying like, in the you're theater. Be crying? Yeah, 100%. crying in theater. Oh yeah. Oh, I looked wow. around and like everybody's kind of like. Uh, uh, not crying oh, Ah yeah. no oh yeah yeah it's great oh boy but I mean they did... no, spoilers. We're no, no, no spoilers no, no, no spoilers No uh, Namor the guy the villain the guy that plays him I can't remember his name I should look up his name I have
3: heard I've heard there's already people like doing like full on deep dives on who this guy is because he was such crushed such a good villain crushed it really crushed it Bad stole
2: guess. every scene uh, cinematically it's Marvel so you know okay. it looks tremendous That they, they just did a great job with world building it was just super super good cool yeah alright I'm excited to see where they go with the franchise I'm in. Yeah, best best Marvel movie of this of this phase, I should say. And for everybody tired of Marvel, I don't phase. care. I enjoy them. I love them. I'm a Marvel guy. I and like so they're them. All, they're all the same. No, they're not. They're very
3: different. Oh well, yeah, they are all different. I'm not a Doctor Strange guy though.
2: That's fine. That's like that's I'm not that's, a Doctor. See, Strange that's my lane.
3: Guy. That you're a Doctor. I Strange. Love Doctor
2: Strange. Weirdo. I yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. In fact, the last one, the Multiverse of Madness, it was supposed to be their Marvel's first like true R-rated movie, and it was supposed to be like. Super creepy, horror okay. flick. That's why they had Sam oh. Raimi doing it. Like, if you notice during so the so why did
3: they why'd they go away from it?
2: Cowards. Oh, they're, like oh, legitimately, okay. they're like ah, we don't know. Like, can we get the same box office? Da da da. But that's why a lot of the tropes in there, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead. Like, there's yeah. a lot of shots and angles and stylistic things that came from that movie that came from Evil Dead, and they were gonna lean more towards the Evil Dead like horror side of it, and they went the other way. Wow. Yeah. All right, bummer. Um, That's your Marvel movie update.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. All mo- right. All mo- right. All more right. proof that I am a giant nerd. No,
3: that I like Marvel movies. Um, Were you a comic book good. guy growing up? And in, in, uh, excuse me, comic books? No, no. X Men cartoon? Yes. Uh, a big cartoon, a yeah. uh, big superhero cartoon guy. Yeah. He Man, my jam. Yeah. He Man was. Thundercats. Yeah. Uh, nope, nope. Not as. Nope. Okay. Not a Thundercats guy. He-Man, Transformers, GI Joes, uh, really liked Batman uh, uh, cartoons. Batman, All- I don't know. Yeah, Batman. Um, yeah, I was a big cartoon guy. Not, not a big. You, no, you
2: mentioned, you mentioned one, one there books. in Transformers. Yes. The really cool thing about the Transformer movies—they mm. have the original Optimus Prime voice, like Peter Peter Wallen, I think is his name. Okay, but he's the same guy from the cartoons from the '80s.
3: See, I don't even know. I didn't. I, you could have asked me, hey, what who voices Optimus Prime? Uh, no idea. You said that with such confidence? Sure. Even I think if you were like, name. I think it's Peter Wallen? Sure. Yep. Sold me. His name could be Bart Snarfle. I would not know the difference, and I, I don't know those sorts of things. I like that name a lot better. Bart Snarfle? Yes. Yeah. 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 Peter Cullen. That's what Peter it is. Peter Cullen. <laughs> You idiot. Yeah. Come on. So,
2: so so far
3: off. Peter Cullen, Peter Wallen. Those are yeah. two completely different names.
2: But yeah, no, he's uh, he's voiced uh, Transformers since like 1985. Yeah, get out of here. No, seriously. He's the same voice from wow. the cartoons in the mid-80s until now. Super cool.
3: Learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. Um, okay. We got a, a sports show that we got to get to you. Um Ooh. Side note, before, mm-hmm. we sports, uh, before we get to our sports, before show, we get to our sports, before sports, yes, I promised a, an uncharted video game movie. I am going that. I'm going to double D's. It's like a man. It's, it's good. It's okay. It's okay. It's not a triple D movie that is based off video game. Mark Wahlberg, uh, what's his name? Tom Holland. Yep. Tom Holland's in it? Yeah, he got up. It was good. I mean, if you're looking for some time to kill, it's good. That's yeah, a, no, good, that's it's a good, good It's a good, like, fun flick. It's got a lot of action in it. It's got some, uh, you know, little National cheeky, Trevor
2: vibes, right? Yeah, a little, yeah. little cheeky, uh,
3: you know, forth. back and yeah. forth, you know, buddy bro comedy. It, mm-hmm. It's really good. It, I, I Actually, yeah, it's still double D's. It's not a triple D's. It's on the, it's on the
2: edge of, of double D's.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, It's it's we're almost to the triples.
2: I got stuck in the TikTok world. Okay. And um, because that algorithm will keep you just thumbing along, man. Boy, it's... that's the best algorithm Jesus, out there going on Jesus, it's terrifying. You
3: know what I'm getting a lot of right now? What? It's a little weird. Uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, farrier uh, TikToks. Uh, yeah. yeah, like uh, uh, guys who work on horseshoes. Yeah. Yeah, horseshoeing. Horseshoeing.
2: Did yeah, you, like did I watched you, a couple of them. Um, you watched a couple, like when they scraped their. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The clipping herbs. and the scraping, yeah. I always found like when we it's had horses
3: when I was a kid. Like, I always found like when the horseshoe guy came, I, I always liked like watching what he did. It's an interesting. Like, it's a yeah.
2: it's a very interesting process, and it hasn't changed much in like a thousand years.
3: I'll tell you what, my algorithm is all screwed up though because <laughs> I watched like two of those videos, and now it just pops up all the time. Yep, it's you, like, you have to
2: skip it fast, otherwise. Yeah, if you spend like more than a second and a half, your algorithm's done. I
3: had a great thing going of mm-hmm. like golfs, golf, bikinis, m- golf, food. Uh b- sports would be in there and now it's like
2: h- horseshoeing? Where the bikinis where it's now horseshoeing? Yeah, you yeah. can't go
3: from bikinis to horseshoeing. I mean, you can. That's that crazy, is that's a quite, I mean, no to <laughs> no, know there's not not for this guy. <laughs> Not for this guy, but that screwed up my whole algorithm. I, I've got to get back. Stamp,
1: double stamp. You
3: yeah, yeah, you can't do that. So I'm, I'm, you're trying to combat this right now, and I don't know how. I don't it's, know how. It's
2: terrible when a friend sends you a TikTok and it screws up your algorithm. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. But I was saying all of this because uh, I get stuck in like uh, movie background TikTok. Yeah, like things that actors do, and one of them was this literally last night was Tom Holland talking about uh, Uncharted and working with Mark Wahlberg uh. when he plays Spider Man. How much do you think he weighs?
3: How much is... I don't know how tall Tom Holland is. I think he's like 5'10". 5'10"? I
2: think very very average. I think
3: think Tom Holland is probably about 175 pounds. Buck 45. Buck 45. Buck 45.
2: That's how much he weighs for Spider-Man. That's I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, no, he got super jacked to play alongside co-star Mark Wahlberg. He got up to 165. You're
3: kidding. Yeah, and I was Like, like... he, there's no way Tom Holland's five ten then. I, I,
2: again, well, I guess Wahlberg. How tall is Wahlberg? Like five six. Wahlberg's a little guy. Well, let's see here. There's a piece from Cosmopolitan that has Tom Holland at about 5'8". Okay, eight. so I, I was going off comparisons yeah. of Wahlberg, so that's probably unfair. Yeah. So five eight.
3: Okay, that makes a little bit
2: more sense. Um, but still, yeah, buck forty five. As a little little guy, little guy little, man he's a little spider well, exactly he talks about how like it's mostly about flexibility and and your your ability just to kind of you know move around in that suit and he goes, Damn. yeah, it wasn't gonna look like a little kid like like Mark's little brother in the show
3: is Mark Wahlberg Uh, Like, do you think Mark Wahlberg is a good time to hang out with? Because he's been famous for so long, like, I I think that maybe he may be jaded by now. To, like, where you you still think... I bet back in the 90s, like, Mark Wahlberg, like...
2: Well, well, in the 90s, you had to kind of, like, maybe a little dicey. What
3: What are you doing Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? Yeah, hell yeah, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Don't get me wrong,
2: that might be too good a time.
3: That's what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: like, Entourage period, I think that's probably the better set of times. Was the Funky Bunch uh, post-incarceration...
3: Yes, yeah. I think so yeah yes um mark. but I feel like Mark Wahlberg has become such a big deal now like he is like his own entity like he, he's his, his own, own corporation yeah, yeah. like and I feel like Mark Wahlberg is probably not as fun as he as he used to be well I mean he
2: lives in a gym now
3: yeah hell yeah he does um, have you did you see the house that he was selling yes. he has like four holes like four full long golf holes so yes. he doesn't have to leave all the time. Uh, In practice on his golf game, yeah, no, he's yeah, he's a freak. Mark Wahlberg, man, he seemed he had his uh, his whole daily routine. You remember that came Mm -hmm. out like five years ago. Whereas, like, he has every minute of his day planned out. And I don't think that that guy, that guy's like fun. If like you're going on a group trip and you're going somewhere, and that guy will like itemize Full everything generator. that you're doing. Hey, guys,
2: we're going to keep it moving. Let's go.
3: But, it, like, you don't want to hang out with that guy, like, on, on the regular because no. it's like, every day is like this? Yeah. Your, your entire life is like this? Yeah, no. Hard pass. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. He was He was very high on my list of the... Yeah, I'd be... Hell yeah, I'd like to kick it with him.
2: He, it's kind of funny. If you think about all, of, like, the fitness dudes, like, mm-hmm. the superheroes, really. Yeah. Like, would they be good hangs? Like, is The Rock a good hang anymore? Probably not. Because mm. all he does is, like, PR and work out. Yeah. Like he's not. Yeah. Now, the rock in the wrestling days? Good hang.
3: G- great hang. Good hang. Yeah.
2: For sure. Hmm. Uh like what's well, uh, Superman Henry Cavill. Like you think that's a good hang? Probably not. He's also a giant nerd, so maybe he is. <laughs> there there was a whole there was a whole video of him on Reddit like really? building a computer from scratch. Huge Superman? gamer. Superman? Yeah. Wow. Cool. Huge gamer. That's what, uh the show The Witcher. He got that off the ground. Like I have no idea what that is. Oh, it's on Netflix. Or it's on Netflix. It's really good. Do you want a, want a cool Witcher? show? Yeah. Also based off a video game. No idea. Yeah, get into it. It's fun. What's the premise? Uh, video game. Oh, okay. Video game. There's a lot there. All right. Like we would we would literally spend an entire segment plus just setting up the premise. It's very deep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty cool though. Okay.
0: All right. Five
3: zero right. That ten eighty. That is the fan text line. Um, let's get this show on the road. We got a lot of sports that we got to get to. Uh, we and an NFL weekend that. Talk about wild, man. We probably had the game of the year, and then we had two more that would have been the best game uh, of the year if it wasn't for that Minnesota-Buffalo game uh, with Green Bay in Dallas and then Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts upsetting the Las Vegas Raiders. He, the tweet still lives for Jeff Saturday. The Raiders are, in fact, horrible. Sorry, Danny, still not America's team.
2: Uh, America's team, but they need to fire Josh McDaniels.
3: We have a ton of college football that we need to get to. Speaking of uh, the Raiders not being America's team, Texas is still not back. Still not back. They will continue to still not be back. Come on, people. Let's get on board. But where we got to start, down go the Ducks. And for Oregon, you can't have it both ways.
1: Dusty on
3: the fan. The winning streak is over for the Oregon Ducks. They fall over the weekend to their bitter rival, the Washington Huskies, 37-34 down at Dodson Stadium. And What a hell of a game that was. I mean, that was that was one of the best games in, in college football this season, one of the best games that we've seen in the Pac-12 uh, this year. It, was, it lived up to the billing and the hype of the top 25 matchup and being down there, man, the buzz in that stadium—it was real, and it was—it was palpable. Like even pregame, we talked, we were talking about it doing the the pregame show four mm-hmm. hours before kickoff. Like it, you could feel this How early was the was your rivals. Um, I, I, more people came through the gates when when they first opened up, like mm-hmm. right at uh, like one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, is when the gates like open up and fans can start going to the masowsky Center and stuff there, there were more people coming in than we've seen all year long And then you know as the team comes through like they, they come in because the team walks through the mo and, and goes into the uh, into the locker room. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean you probably had a couple thousand come in then uh, maybe a thousand uh, come in then. I'm really bad at counting how many people but the tailgate lots itself. Packed, right out packed. of the gate. It was packed. It was packed.
2: How did in, Washington travel? Because I couldn't get a real sense of, of them in the crowd at all.
3: Uh, it, it, they, I mean, they were well represented. I think that a, a lot of Husky fans just wear black Smart. in there because of, you know, how the last 20 years have gone. Um, <laughs> but um, there were times where it, it did get loud. It, got, it, it did get loud when Washington you know, scored or had a big play mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so I think they were more hidden than, than you would think. Um, but they were well represented. It was still like, you know, 90% Oregon fans and then 10% uh, Washington. It was just incredibly loud, though. It was – that was an environment that people go to and they say, this is college football. I love college football. And if you go to that game and you came back and you're like, oh, it was an okay experience – Something's wrong with you.
2: Oh, for sure. If, if you're in a game like this with so much on the line in a rivalry situation, yeah. late season, if you can't find the fun or the joy in this, man, this is the wrong sport for you.
3: Well, and, you know, there was, you could see it between the players. There was tension between mm-hmm. both sides on the players. And then, like I tweeted this out, but a half hour before the game, uh, all of a sudden I hear, like, Oregon's students chanting, na-na-na-na. Goodbye. (sighs) And there was a UW fan getting kicked out (laughs) of the section right next to it. And I don't don't know what what happened, but UW fan was given the double barrels and they were given right back um, as he was being escorted out by security. Kicked out before kickoff. Yeah, half hour before kickoff. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like in uh, purple and gold, like striped overalls. (laughs) Like he was a like big-time UW guy. Oof. So he probably would have loved to have seen the end of that game, but yeah, he never got the chance to do it. he had to, to go that. watch it at a
2: local watering hole, yeah. where I'm sure he was very welcome.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Walked in the door, <laughs> boo!
3: But this game, it ends Oregon's eight-game winning streak. Uh, and What was and, the
2: consecutive home winning streak, 23? Um, I think it I was believe it was 23. 20, 23. 23 in a row. It was the longest in the nation.
3: Yes, and that is no more... They also have an ungodly... It had an ungodly record when double-digit favorites mm-hmm. at home as well. And that's what they were against, against UW. They were double-digit favorites, and they lost. And there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. UW won that football game.
2: Yeah, uh, Michael Penix put up 400 yards.
3: That was a clinic by UW. It was also... Probably one of the more frustrating games that if you are an Oregon fan, and especially if you're an Oregon coach, because here here's the thing about this team that is so different than, I don't know, any iteration since uh Rich Brooks, who's a defensive guy, is that you have a coach who hangs his hat on defense. Mm-hmm. We know Dan Lanning knows how to coach defense.
2: He's going to scheme appropriately. He's going to put his guys in the right spots. He's going to have counters to what a team wants to do. He's going to be prepared. We know Tosh Elpoi
3: is a very good defensive coordinator. This is where I, I think the most frustrating part was that Michael Penix put up phenomenal numbers, and U-Dub threw the ball when Oregon did exactly what they've done all all year long, which is there was early success in the run game for U-Dub. They tightened up the, the the vice grips on that, and they didn't allow any it, really any running alleys from the first quarter on. It was Michael Penix Jr. being able to do whatever he wanted throwing the football, mm-hmm. and the fact that there were guys that were I mean, you're talking like a fraction of a second, and you make a play. And that was the difference in that game, is a fraction of a second here and a fraction of a second there. And that has got to be one of the more frustrating parts if you are a player, a fan, a coach, mm-hmm. anybody watching that game, and, and you're pulling for the Oregon Ducks.
2: I'll tell you this. if I, I'll come from this from the other side. If you are an Oregon Ducks fan, or if you're the Ducks, and you tell me that at the end of this game, Bo Nix is going to throw for 280, have a very high completion percentage, get two tutties, not turn the ball over, run for 60 yards and another rushing touchdown, and you're going to run the ball 51 times for 300 yards. I'm saying you just beat the living hell out of the Huskies. Yeah. Because offensively, you did whatever you wanted. Yeah. But defensively, they could not get off the field. When your leading tacklers are all of your DBs, it lets you know everything you need to know.
3: And that is, that's the most concerning part is that you had a a corner, and your leading tackler, which Gonzalez is led the team with 10 tackles, seven solo. And then Triquiz Bridges is third with uh, four tackles. Like, that is, th- those are problems that you yep. have there because those are your two cornerbacks. And how many times there, and that is just, we talked about this all week last week. Mm-hmm. Like, Washington is a boundary throwing team. They, and they scheme it up very well. There, There's a lot of reads and options that the quarterback and receiver have to be on the right page, but you can bait them into making mistakes, uh, as we've seen throughout the course of this year. And give Washington a ton of credit, because where Oregon failed to execute, they did. And, mm-hmm. and UW executed in, in incredible fashion and incredible moments, um, where it was one of those games that you sit there and you go, Man, if you make a play here, you make a play here, the outcome is completely different. I mean, look no further than it was the let's see, when Oregon goes down and they fumbled on the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Think about that. What that does in that, that is a first quarter uh, or a second quarter, sorry, first half mistake where they're on the one yard line and they fumble the ball. There, I have a, I have a picture where when Oregon or when U uh, Dub tried to run the ball and they gave it to Davis, and on the very first play from the one yard line, Christian Gonzalez makes contact with him two yards in the end zone.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
3: they, he is two yards in the end zone, and they fall forward and barely get out. Yep. Like it's that little thing to where it's like. Okay, so you you miss the touchdown. You miss that opportunity by fumbling the football. Uh, I'd never in a million years, by the way, thought we'd see back-to-back days of a fumble on the one-yard line being so costly. You have Oregon going into the end zone and Buffalo trying to get out of the end zone. Mm -hmm. Back-to-back fumbles on the Mm one-yard line. I mean, that's just incredible um, to think of. But it's these little plays here and there over the course of the game that... That becomes the difference, right? Yep. And for everyone that Oregon is talking about, look, let's not act like you uh, dub threw an interception on the one-yard line against Oregon
2: in the second half. And that's not something you expect Pennix to do, considering how consistent. Pennix may not put up the Texas Tech video game numbers on yeah. the touchdown side, but if you look at his pass-to-interception ratio, it's one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. You're talking about a guy who slings the ball Basically fifty times a game and who has six total touch or six total interceptions in the season. Yeah. It's he takes very good care of the ball. And
3: I think where that game really turned on its head it, it was when Bonex got hurt, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um when you have to go on on that drive, you go ninety one yards and you settle for a field goal. You gotta go. They went Well, I mean, I don't like going for it there because of the fact that you had Ty Thompson in. But here's the thing is that, like, that is one where it takes the wind out of your sails. You had a 20-play drive.
2: It went on forever. That
3: went 91 yards, and you didn't come up with a touchdown. And that is a killer. And so what happens when you get the ball on the next drive Um you have a lot of question marks now towards Dan Lanning, who I thought was fantastic when Lanning took the heat for this loss.
1: I mean, it, it, you know, we've sat in this room and talked about it when they worked out. And now we're we're sitting in this room and talking about them when they didn't Right? the onside. That's, you know, that was my decision. And it, uh, you know, the guy moved a little bit where it wasn't there. Uh, When we thought it was there earlier in prep, you know, fourth down, you fall and slip, and it's going to be hard to convert in that situation. But we knew that we were going in that situation. You look back, and you could say, in retrospect, we should punt there, have a chance. Um, But you also feel like, hey, you get that first, then you probably got a chance to go win the game.
3: Right there, you go for it on that fourth down. And he he owned it. Dan Lanning owned it and said, this one's on me.
2: He was great in the post-game press conference in in general because it could very— we talked about it to lead this off. Landing had these guys repaired. His yeah. coaching staff has these guys repaired. His dudes didn't execute. He could very easily say his dudes didn't execute, but instead he deflects and says, the blame's on me. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. Well, guess what? He should have done what he did. He should have gone four on fourth down. He should have tried to, to be aggressive. He should have tried the onside kick because that's who he is. Yeah. You you can't have it with the UCLA game. Oh, he's such a great, innovative coach, and he's so uh, he's not risk-averse or any of this stuff. Well, guess what? That same guy is the same coach here. here. It just didn't work out for
3: him. Here, here. Man, and you can't. You cannot have it both ways. No,
2: and you can't sit here and tell me that you're mad about him going forward on that fourth down when they ran the ball 51 times for 300 yards. <laughs> He's sitting there thinking, you know what? They haven't stopped us all and, game. We're and, running for six yards a,
3: a, a, a play. And, there, I mean, there is... Uh, no Whittington, too, is a guy who always falls forward. Like, he always churns always. forward. But there is some nuance to it. And I want to hear what Duck fans think of this. five oh three two five oh ten eighty. Oh, we already got a lot of feedback coming in. Dan Lanning, he owned it. He said, put this one on me. Here's Rust with SportsCenter.
1: This is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, the fan.
3: All right, 503-250-1080, that is a fan text on, uh, we'll get to your feedback, but uh, Dan Lanning and going for it on fourth down, uh, you are so right on this, Danny, with...
2: You Every now and then happens.
3: <laughs> happens a lot. Uh, you can't have it both ways if you're an, an Oregon fan. You can't have the coach who's aggressive and, and goes for wins like he did against UCLA, and then when it doesn't work out against U Dub, be like, "Wow, ah, you're an idiot." We all saw this coming because that's who he is. That's his identity. They go for it on fourth down a yeah. lot. They they will go for non side kick to try to to Catch turn the guard. tides yeah. of momentum or seize momentum and not give it back. But. There is an element of that fourth down that they went on, fourth down and two when you're up by three. Mm-hmm. Your defense has been just getting pummeled. And I understand you don't want to give the ball back to UW. You, you don't want to do it. And that's why you go for it on fourth down yes. in your own territory. It's because you know the limitations of your team and you know the fact that, look, our defense is having a rough time and we're up by three. If we mar- if we get this fourth down, then look, where- look, we're marching. But, and this is a big but, I, I think there is time and place, and there is going to be good at the end of what I say. But it is a big reason why they lost. You have to understand that. And, and look, I, I know he does understand. But Oregon was down there starting right guard, Ryan Walk. Mm-hmm. They Alex Forsythe was out with a with an injured shoulder. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix was out. Of the game, and you had Ty Thompson in the game when you go for that fourth down and two. I mean, think of how critical those three guys are the interior, because Ryan Walk is also your backup center. Oh, so you're sitting there, and you're you, the two guys in look, Bo Nix, he may pull that thing and try to get out to the outside. I think if No Whittington slips, uh, Washington was in very good position anyway. Like I was sitting there watching it, and I go. Watching the play development, I was like, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. And then Noah Whittington slipped because he was trying to go back against the grain. And I I think Washington probably stuffs him even if he doesn't slip right there. But that is; those are all things where you go, yes, you love the aggressiveness and you want to have that, but at the same time, it is, all right, let's take a look at what was up against Oregon at at that moment. And those are three big pieces that are out uh, or and dinged up. With that said, though, what Dan Lanning is doing and what he's saying is the truth, whether it's in win or in a loss. Mm-hmm. Because what does he say? And it sounds like lip service all the time, which is we trust our guys to make plays. Yep. It doesn't matter who is out there. We trust them all to make plays. And that's
2: the trust that he showed there was, hey, I trust you guys to get this done. Remember we, we talked about who was going to be a starting running back this year? Yeah. It could be one of four different guys. Yep. And the guy that we probably least expected ended up being the guy. Mm-hmm. And, it, and Lanning kept telling us. All through summer, no, we have a bunch of dudes we believe in, and they kept saying that over and over again. And I think that's true about his entire team. And I, I know Duck Fan wants to believe that they're 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 the best, that they're the greatest, and that's why the onside kick worked in their favor against well, every, UCLA. Every fan that.
3: base does. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, in this in this moment, you want to believe that 100. percent Dan Landing was afraid of UCLA. That's why he went for the on, on, onside kick. The weather's incoming, and everything else, but he he knows his defense is struggling.
3: Yeah, I don't think he's afraid. I think he just wants to. I think he wants to pounce on somebody. It, but I don't it, think that's fear. I think that is. I think fear
2: is a healthy thing, and I don't mean yeah. that as a bad way. Like, yeah. you look at a cross and you see DTR, and you see that they've marched down the field against you, and you're going. I don't want to give them the ball back. Let me go ahead and get one up on them. We get two. If we get this ball and we go up two scores, we can change the flow of this game. Yep. And I think he did exactly the same against Washington of, like, yep. we aren't stomping these guys.
3: No, he knows there's limitations of his defense. Yes, And, and so, that is more real than the fact that... I think that tells you the faith that Oregon has in their offense as opposed to that's, their defense.
2: And again, that feeds into going forward on fourth down regardless if who's on the field.
3: And you, you you figure in the flow of that game. Here's the second half. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Interception, field goal, touchdown. And then that's when they turned it over on downs. Yeah. yeah. Or, and the interception was not an Oregon interception. Oregon had intercepted UW on the goal line mm-hmm. to That's lead, to, lead to this drive where you're sitting there you're like or to lead to a field goal uh, on the previous drive. And so your offense was humming. Yep. it was, And you were imposing your will. 300 yards rushing. And so I, I do understand that. And there's an article, and this is where his identity – and this is why you can't have it both ways, is is genuine. It's genuine identity that Dan Lanning has. Bo Nick said it in an in a, uh, article this week where he said that when when uh, Dan Lanning had his back after the Georgia game, and he said, no, Bo's our guy. Mm-hmm. Bo's our quarterback. That went a long way with Bo, and it went a long way with the locker room. It's one thing to say things And then to change your mind and, you know, or not back them up on the field, what Dan Lanning has done is shown consistency. And that's where the silver lining could be in all of this is that there will be consistency where his guys know that, one, he's going to trust them to make the plays, whether they make them or not, it's in their hands. But two, he's also going to fall on the sword after the game, too. And that's exactly that's exactly what Dan Landing did, is he
1: fell on the sword for his team. The entire game, they certainly didn't quit. They didn't throw in the towel. I think you have to give Washington credit. They played a complete game, and we made more mistakes uh, at the end of the game that hurt us. This game 100% falls on me, right? Um, our players gave phenomenal effort. They tried really hard. We uh, shot ourselves in the foot a few times in the first half, but we were able to move the ball. Know, much better in the second half. You know, that being said, we weren't able to get a stop defensively. So things that we, um, you know, have to attack moving forward. It's
2: on me. Again, he is going to do what is right, do what is necessary. He could deflect and be like, my guys didn't get it done. I mean, no, no coach is ever going to do that, let's be clear. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not true. College football, every now and then you do get that. But Lanning gets it. Mm-hmm. He gets it. And I, I think he knows that year one, His offense is fantastic, his defense has limitations, and he has a scheme around those things, which is why you see him doing what he's done with the offense, which is be aggressive, get them more opportunities by kicking the onside kick. You're leaning more towards that, even if he's a defensive-minded guy. Why? Because he knows defense. And so he looks at all of this and he goes, all right, well, I'm going to have to fall on the sword because the buck stops with me, which is a a great thing to see a leader do. Lanning has, from a PR perspective, from a coaching perspective, from all of the... Non-on-field stuff, to me, has probably been A, damn near A-plus this year. Yeah. I, he He's saying all the right things, doing all the right things, being in the right spots, being in the right opportunities. It's a lot easier to do that when you're winning, for sure. Sure as hell is. But if you look at him, you look at Dickert, you look at Smith, you look at DeBurr, you look at the, the coaches right now in the Pac-12. But This group, hell, Lincoln, Riley, they're all young. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing the right things. They're all saying the right things, with the exception of Lincoln Riley and special teams.
3: <laughs> that is very true.
2: Other than that, they're all saying and doing the right things. And you look—it's really unfortunate that the Pac-12 is going to be gone in two years because what they have, what they have going right now in this conference, is truly kind of special.
3: Yeah, and it was looking more and more like Pac-12 will survive just without SC and UCLA now.
2: Sure, it's just for uh, the time being. It, you kind of wish it could yeah. all stay together.
3: <laughs> you kind of wish. Yes, you do. All right. I do want to get to your feedback and uh, we're going to get to it next. Uh, 503-250-1080. Uh, we got a lot of a, a lot of Duck and Husky fans that are, are chiming in. And uh, this is going to be this is going to be an interesting run down the fan text line. Um, it should be noted, too. Like, look, everybody wants to look like how their team lost the game. UW also made the plays to win a game, too, down the stretch. They did make a ton of plays, and their defense played out of their minds as they're getting healthy as well. 503-250-1080, that's a fan tech sign. Danny and Dusty on the fan.
6: Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service.
5: That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball
2: isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey
1: app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Danny Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080,
3: The Fan. 503-250-1081, packing organs, lost to UW 37-34. Uh, I'm sure that this music is helping people's nerves be calmed. Really calming people down Thanks after. Too. I love it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> See, how do people stay calm like this? Is that <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh that's what I wake up it's to.
2: Nice, easy, it's just like Matthew McConaughey reading you a lullaby. I missed, right, I'm, I'm, right, don't you think I'm kidding? Right. This is what I wake up to.
3: Okay, um, I can see that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm up.
2: There's, there's no delay, baby. We're up and we're up and ready to go.
3: Okay, we got a lot of fan te- text coming in on the fan text line five zero three two five zero ten eighty. This text says, "You know, uh, punt the freaking ball." <laughs> that's a good one uh you're up by 3 just punt it uh and and that is that i mean that's an interesting point on the going for it on fourth down <laughs> that's
2: yes an interesting point
3: punt the football but you're up by 3 is is the thing i think people yeah. lose sight of the fact that you're up by and, and this is why it was such a big deal is that when you are up by 3 there and in the context of the game and where it was i mean we went through it was just score after score after you're score you're not getting after stops score. That field goal meant Oregon needed to score a touchdown mm-hmm. to in uh, in that that or excuse me get a field goal to um to just tie it and go back. If you punt the ball away, they're still playing from behind. Yeah, and they have got more territory that they need to cover.
2: And you don't know if Nick's is coming back at that point.
3: Yes. Yeah. Or, or they were tied at that point. They were tied at that point. So then, but again, you don't know if Nick's threw- is coming
2: back. Like that limits yeah. what you can do, which means you need to go now. Yeah, man. That's again. I'm not. I'm not mad at landing. I'm not either. I, I. I. think he did. He kept his. Le- they were.
3: Yeah. It was. 34, 34. He kept his
2: level of aggressiveness up when it needed to be there. Yeah. And sometimes it bites you in the ass. It's literally that simple.
3: Oh listen, man. Listen.
2: If anybody's going to hate the ducks in their decision making, it's going to be me. And I'm sitting here going, listen, man. I I'm okay with what they did.
3: Uh, Texas only small play calling gripe, uh, maybe a couple more passes on that ten minute drive because it almost looked like they were just tired out their own offense. But that's hindsight. Um, look, there was no reason to put the ball in the air.
2: No, you're running the ball at six yards a, a carry when Oregon Nine. went
3: on a when you go on a twenty play death march and you are imposing your will on a team. Elephant well, walk, baby. To that point in the game. But Again, the second halfs up until that interception, and by the way, that was a goal-line interception, okay? The second half played out touchdown, 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 okay? Like, you had scored on three straight drives as your offense. You had scored two uh, straight drives as their offense. The most recent possession that Washington had was that quick two-play bomb, 75-yard drive, okay? So after you get that interception on the goal line, you do that death march, that is game, man. It, and that is what I was talking about earlier in that if you finish that thing off with a touchdown instead of a field goal and Bonex getting injured on that on that drive. Look, that that's probably why you're not throwing the ball. It's why you, that drive stalls out. But you're sitting there and you're going if you think of it in in that in those terms of like that, moment right there like they're going for it on fourth down right if Bonix is is in he's healthy you're going for that death nail because mm-hmm. that could have been the nail in the coffin if you get six on that drive and that's a demoralizing 20 play just night it would have been a 20 play 99 yard you know
2: often 20 March. play drives happen Rare. never
3: I, I I don't even know last time I, I I don't even want to know when to guess the night, last time Oregon 14
2: play drives are forever yeah, seventeen play drives are in a lifetime. Twenty play drives are so uncommon. Yeah, and to go the length of the field and again, elephant walk your way down there. We don't care. We, you know, honestly, I thought Dillingham was great. I did. Did you think he got cute in this game? Dillingham. Yeah, I didn't think he got cute. No, I thought he was like, I don't care what you throw. No, here's what we're gonna do, yeah. which I thought was a big shift of, like. Not that they went away from setups but I didn't think they went for setup for setups sake they went we can run well, we, we, had, we don't have to get look, cute with there you. were
3: missed opportunities too you know they were you're talking about those setups they set up to hit Troy Franklin down mm-hmm. the middle of the field and Bo Nix put it too far inside on him you Which know like that was he doesn't just, miss too often no he does. they've been very good in that connection has been very good but this is what it this is what it, these tight games come down to right is those those plays that post where Troy Franklin is he's got two defenders behind him by a couple of steps? He's waltzing into the end zone. It's it's those it's those sorts of plays, and and that is the offense is not the issue. <laughs> we had thousand yards of offense in that game. to had five hundred yards yeah. of total offense. Like the offense isn't the issue. It is the defense. And yeah. the, as this tech says, um, I know it's on the coaches, but I honestly don't know what you're supposed to do as a D coordinator when you can't get pressure to play in a game uh, or they're playing a game a lot of cover 3 to prevent getting beat deep but to be given up those 10 yard outs when they switched over to cover 2 uh to take the quick game away that's when they got beat for the two big touchdowns and look there were so many options where when they were they were baiting those throws mm-hmm. in in those 10 yard outs and they they were just a fraction, the of, buzz a, and they just fraction of a buzz flats. Fraction of a second. Whether it was a safety coming down to get it, or it was a backer getting out. Like it was just, you're not making those plays that UCLA did make, that Arizona did make, or Arizona State rather, they did make those plays against UW, and the Ducks were unable to do it. And that that is the frustrating part to that texter's point is that. We knew the pass rush was not great for Oregon, mm-hmm. and it was not against UW.
2: Michael Panix had all the time in the world, well, the two things I said about on Friday, is Oregon disciplined enough and can they generate a pass rush? Yep. And the two things that I was most worried about came to fruition. Yep. They were not able to get to Panix at all. They were not able to be disciplined or to trust their rates. They were undisciplined on defense, and it bit them yep. over and over and over.
3: Um. This text, 503-250-1080. Easy for Duck fans to nitpick the guy on one play call. Aggressiveness seems to be their identity. Yeah. They were carving up Washington on the ground. At the same time, they cannot get a stop. I like Coach Landing's call. That from Anthony. Um, the worst coach of the game... Or worst coach of the coached game of the season, sands Georgia and Oregon hadn't it, had it in their hands. That injury to Bow and a bad snap were just bad luck and critical uh, moments. Kicking yourself, see, I I don't think that's true at all. I, see, I don't think it was a poorly coached game. I I you well, I think it came down to problem. execution. Yeah, it came down to
2: execution. I thought they had again defensively. I thought they the game plan was fine. In when the it sound, they just weren't able to get home
3: the interception when the field was condensed you came up with the turnover mm-hmm. you know it, it was playing that and, and when everything is kind of tightened down it's easier to get to those spaces right because yep. you, you have less responsibility there's only so far that they can go and so you made the play in, in the condensed space and that's a credit to the run defense because UW could not run the ball after that first quarter and I, I think really what it came down to is I I, I looked at dirt when on the it was third down and long, and on the opening drive, mm-hmm. and Penix kind of dropped back, and then he, you know, center field turned, and he went and rolled out, and he, he ran for like a 15-yard gain. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Because that was ringing of Washington State, yep. where they couldn't get Cameron Ward in their grass. It was ringing of, you know, Stetson Bennett uh, running around in Atlanta like he, had, he was greased up. Mm-hmm. It was it was one of those games where I saw that play where Pennix got loose, and I was like, they've got to be able to contain him. They cannot allow that to happen. And to their credit, they didn't, but to their detriment.
2: They couldn't get there.
3: They couldn't get there. Yeah, yeah. The,
2: the big question now is, where do they go from here? Because coming into this week, it was, hey, Oregon has three games in a row set up for them to get possibly in the college football playoff yeah. if they can beat, hopefully, a USC team in the Pac-12 title game. Now it's, can they beat Utah?
3: Yeah, and this is this is a huge game coming up. Yep. Huge, absolutely monumental game uh coming up against the Utah. Utes because the Pac-12 kind of got turned on its head over the weekend, maybe kind of. Maybe it that's did. where we go where that's where we go next. We'll have if you uh, send in a text, we'll get to a lot of them uh because we will uh, revisit this one. Oregon falls to Washington. Uh, and Washington won that game uh, against the Ducks down in Autzen Stadium. It was an incredible environment if you were down there. Uh, that one was it was one for the ages, man. It was a it was a raucous, loud crowd and a fantastic football game where the Ducks came up short. Uh, but unpacking the rest of the Pac-12 weekend, uh, carnage all around. Danny and Dusty on the fan.